Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kelly Sexton. Kelly is the Associate Vice President for Research, Technology Transfer, and Innovation at the University of Michigan. Kelly works closely with the Vice President for Research, as well as other leaders across the university, to provide visionary and strategic leadership of U of M's innovation, business engagement, and technology transfer activities, including the Office of Technology Transfer and the Business Engagement Center. In this role, Kelly supports and encourages university-wide programs for intellectual property development, innovation, and engagement with business and venture communities in the region, across the nation, and around the globe. Prior to arrival at U of M in 2018, Kelly was the Assistant Vice Chancellor for Technology Commercialization and New Ventures at North Carolina State University, where she served as a Principal Investigator for an NSF iCorp site and co-founded an Alumni Angel Investor Network to provide a new source of funding for university startups and spinouts. Kelly holds a BS in biochemistry and molecular biology from the University of Georgia and a PhD in molecular pathology from the University of California, San Diego, where she was supported by a fellowship from the California Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Kelly completed her postdoctoral studies at Stanford University, where she was awarded a fellowship from the Susan G. Coleman Breast Cancer Foundation. Kelly serves as a co-chair of the U of M Roundtable on Innovation and Entrepreneurship on the advisory board for the Detroit Chapter of Venture for America and the executive committee of Ann Arbor Spark. And with that very impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. And thank you for putting these together and and helping all of us tech transfer professionals connect and, and learn from each other through the podcast. This is great. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure and it's been a great experience for me as well. So I really appreciate you saying that. Let's go ahead and get started and kick things off at the beginning. I generally like to ask our guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up at the U of M? Sure, happy to. Um, so for me, everything I can I can trace back to um, the first time I set foot in a laboratory setting when I was an undergrad um, at the University of Georgia, and I decided that that was just amazingly cool that, you know, there were these labs and and people got paid to do research. I just kind of couldn't believe it. And so I um, followed that interest and went to UC San Diego for graduate school and their um, Department of Molecular Pathology within the School of Medicine and spent five wonderful years um, living in graduate student housing in La Jolla, California. Um, And just loved my entire time there moved up the coast for a postdoc at Stanford University. And again, I was in the um, the School of Medicine 
um, that shifted a bit was um, doing, you know, chemical biology approach to understanding cancer. And it was really um, as a postdoc that I first became introduced to tech transfer. And I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. My first introduction was I needed a material transfer agreement so I could get some samples for my work. And I remember being outraged that I couldn't just sign it and I had to send it to this office and wait for them to review it and negotiate it. <laughs> I remember calling them and trying to understand what this was all about. So that was my very first interaction. And they were um, they were very kind and courteous um, to this inpatient postdoc. And then beyond that, um, the lab I was in was really active in patent filing. Um, my PI there, like many PIs at Stanford, had um, relationships with various biotech companies. So I really became interested in what's what's going on out there, what's this interface between you know university labs and the biotech community. And so I, I ended up after kind of trying to learn more about that interface and, and talking to people who had careers as medical science liaisons or as um, consultants or business development professionals in pharma, um, I decided that technology transfer seemed like a great um, gateway to learn more about life outside of, the, of peer research and convinced the amazing people at the Stanford OTL to take me on as an intern. And, and so that was my, my first gig in tech transfer. I spent 10 wonderful months there. Um, this was when, you know, of course, Kathy Poo was the, the director and, you know, many leaders now in the, in the field of tech transfer, people like Mary Albertson and others um, were wonderful mentors and um, advisors to me during that time. And um, I, I remember telling my husband, we're going to move to this place called the Research Triangle Park. It's a wonderful place for two career scientists. We'll both get jobs and it'll be great. And that's exactly what we did. Um, and I was fortunate to, to start at North Carolina State University in, um, in 2006. And that was as an entry-level licensing professional. And um, I spent uh, about 11 or 12 wonderful years there, um, the last five, directing the office as the assistant vice chancellor for technology, commercialization, and new ventures. North Carolina State University gave me an, an awesome opportunity to do some really fun things, like um, put together an alumni angel network through the university, um, and things that were outside of, you know, the strict tech transfer world to play a, a larger role in connecting with the ecosystem. And I must have just been feeling particularly adventurous when the University of Michigan called um, because I, I decided that, um, it, you know, it would be a great opportunity to go up and, and take an interview and see what they had to offer. And I, I just fell in love with the campus and the science and the team at University of Michigan. And I've got to say it was it was a hard decision to leave. I, I loved the Research Triangle Park and all the opportunities it, it afforded me. Um, but for someone who loves science as, as much as I do and the field of tech transfer, um, the, the platform at University of Michigan is, is really impressive. We've got a tremendous amount of science and I just love it here. And in fact, your office works with a few different campuses, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So um, the University of Michigan, our prime, uh, the largest campus is certainly the Ann Arbor campus with 19 schools and colleges. 
And we also have campuses at U of M Dearborn, as well as University of Michigan Flint. So there are three um, distinct campuses, um, but we're one of the central offices that actually serves all three campuses. So, so we work with inventors from, you know, every school and college across in Arbor Dearborn and Flint. Given that and given the volume that we're going to talk about that comes through your office, can you tell us a little bit about how your office is structured and the number of personnel you have? Yeah, sure. Um, so we actually have overall headcount number of, of people who are part of our team, 49 people. Um, our, our FTE headcount is um, 39.5. And I'll talk a little bit about why, why there's that delta. So first of all, we have, you know, a fantastic licensing team. We've been, you know, across the board with the office, we've been really fortunate to be able to recruit amazing people to um, the University of Michigan and, and to Ann Arbor. So we have 13 full-time licensing professionals who, um, you know, do the, the traditional tech transfer work of starting with an invention disclosure and, you know, supporting faculty and developing the commercialization strategy. We also have a, a marketing analyst helping us with um, moving technologies onto our website and push marketing. We're fortunate to have two full-time fellows um, to support our licensing team and a rotating group of, at any given point in time, between five and 10 part-time fellows. These are typically PhD students who agree to work five to 10 hours a week um, to, to support our efforts. So this amazing group of people manages a really incredible volume of work. Um, we get, um, you know, we typically now are getting over 500 new invention disclosures a year. So it's a lot of work. We also are fortunate to have um, a venture center. And this group has um, uh, five full-time employees um, focused on uh, supporting our growing and vibrant uh, startup portfolio. Uh, the other part of our Venture Center group is our Mentor in Residence program. So we have, at any given point in time, between 10 and 3 mentors in residence, most of whom are part-time. And, and that's where um, the delta between our overall headcount and the FTE headcount comes into place. But they are very much members of the team. When we're in the office physically, they're there with us, um, you know, for typically 20 hours a week is the commitment. And, you know, they're they're not just, you know, remote executives and residents we can call them. We call them mentors and residents for a reason because they're um, focused on supporting our faculty and graduate students from the very earliest point in time all the way through to, you know, the launch of a startup and sometimes continuing for years on, depending on the support the company needs. We um, have a portfolio right now of over 100 projects that may become startups, all of which are being mentored um, by this group. Um, we also have a very um, robust operations and finance group. Um, where, which is where our vital compliance and, and all patent docketing and all of those important pieces sit. And, and so for me, it's been apparent, you know, I've been at U of M now for two and a half years. That we have an amazing team and incredible expertise. And the way I can add the most value to the organization is by making sure that we're drawing on the strengths of this group in, in, in smart ways at key decision points. And 
you know, to give you an example, one of the ways we do this is in how we review inventions. Um, we have every Friday morning, we um, set aside from 9 a.m. till noon, and we're reviewing invention disclosures that are at the point where they're ready to be assessed, and the office can reach a, a decision as to whether we're going to continue investing resources and what that's going to look like. And we use it as an opportunity to think really broadly, like what are the best resources and connections we can bring to help this technology move forward? These are called the worms. Worms. The worm. Weekly invention review meeting. <laughs> so I think the name can give you a sense of, of the sometimes quirky atmosphere in the office. Um, but I, I really think it's it's a wonderful opportunity to have a front row seat to really see the best innovations coming out of one of the largest research universities in the country. And at these meetings, we have the licensing professional present the technology that they're managing. And we also have the ventures group there. And often by the time the technology is coming before the group, a mentor residence may have already gone and met with the inventor as well or may have given feedback. Sometimes we'll also have reached out and talked to a few companies and, and using that to inform the decision. Um, we also have in those meetings our compliance group to make sure that we're not only coming up with the best way to bring connections, support, translational funding connections to these projects, but we're also making sure we're getting our BIDOL compliance right at that point and managing any obligations we might have to corporate research sponsors. So really trying to integrate all these pieces so that we're working together as a team and adding value. That's really interesting. Was that in place before you got to U of M? Have they always had the worm, so to speak, or was that something... <laughs> I'm never going to look at an earthworm the same ever again. Or was that something you instituted when you arrived there? Well, um, they certainly had um, ways that they were assessing inventions, and, and I don't, I don't mean to imply that anything I've done is magic. But we did decide to kind of formalize the process. We held a competition to come up with the name, and um, you know, just to make it a little fun. And so we, we worked to build on you know really good infrastructure that was here when I arrived you know, really just to find ways to, to take what was in place and to build on it. So I, I guess to some extent, I can take credit for the worm, but I, I didn't come up with a name that that, um, that came from the team is a good expression of their quirkiness. Yeah, that sounds like a really great uh, program and, and thing that you do. And it really kind of brings the whole group together every week. And it, it sounds like everyone is on the same page after those meetings, I'm sure. And it, it sounds like from a working together perspective, it's it's a really great program that you guys have. And, you know, we're really fortunate at, at U of M. We have great partnerships with our um, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. And that's the group that funds our mentor and residence program. Um, they also fund a lot of translational research programs around our state. And so these meetings are wonderful opportunities for us to, to try to envision, you know, should we be connecting this technology with this translational research funding program? Um, and, and so it's just a, a great way to make sure we're leveraging all of the strengths of our ecosystem, both on campus and around our state. I think another interesting aspect of tech transfer at U of M is the National Advisory Board, also known as the NAB, 
which was founded in 2002 to provide advice and connections to enhance tech transfer performance at the university. Can you tell us a little bit about how your office works with the NAB? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think the National Advisory Board is, is definitely something um, that, that sets our office apart. And it's been, you know, for me coming in, um, you know, to a really, you know, robust and, and well-recognized office, the board has been a huge asset to me um, in and helping to understand the lay of the land at a very big and complicated university. And also in any time I need help in um, reviewing a program that we have or benchmarking with universities around the country, this group is really willing to roll up their sleeves and help with that. It's a mix of individuals. Um, you know, a lot of the people on the board are University of Michigan alums who have had, six, you know, are, are successful and have had successful careers in business. Um, in, in venture or as entrepreneurs and want to give back and make sure that Michigan is winning and, and excelling at this. Um, but some of the individuals on the board are really brought in, um, not just because of their love of Michigan, but specifically for their expertise and um, their visibility into best practices at the very best universities in the country and, and to help make sure that we're um, aware of those learnings and that you know we're building the best program we can. So there, I think of people like um, Jack Turner, who recently retired from MIT. He's been a longtime member of the board and, you know, has been very helpful to University of Michigan over the years as we, um, you know, learned from the programs that he was aware of and have been a part of at MIT. People like Kirsten Loita from Osage University Partners. You know, certainly Kirsten brings a wealth of experience from her time at Stanford. But as, as well, um, now has visibility thanks to our work with OUP to the very best universities around the country. Um, so it's, it's really been a, um, you know, a great asset for me and for the office. And they've done some very big things for the university and, and for our ecosystem over the years. Um, I, you know, I, one of, one example is, um, an organization called Ann Arbor Spark. It is um, really the economic development engine for the Ann Arbor region. That um, concept that ultimately became Ann Arbor Spark actually came out of a working group and, um, that the National Advisory Board put together um, many years ago where they set out to benchmark best practices around the country for spurring entrepreneurial ecosystems and economic development. And you're on that executive board for Ann Arbor Spark. So can you tell us a little bit more about exactly what it does? Yeah, sure. Um, so Ann Arbor Spark is an economic um, development organization that serves the Ann Arbor region. And they really run an amazing array of integrated programs that are all focused on advancing the economy of the Ann Arbor region. And, you know, really their goal is to um, establish Ann Arbor as a desired place for innovation, business location and growth, and a place where talented people want to live and to work. And so they, they really focus, um, I would think of them as fitting into two categories. So one is they, they excel at traditional economic development 
So recruiting companies, helping companies who are looking at the Ann Arbor region with site selection, understanding the state and local incentive programs, all of the things that you know you you think about um, when you think about regional economic development. But where we really benefit is they also provide an array of entrepreneurial services. So they run and have um, startup seed funds. Um, they run and, and help support local angel investment groups. They provide um, entrepreneurial services. They also have um, a mentoring program for startup companies that are more mature. And, um, you know, since we've largely grown up together as, as Tech Transfer has built our infrastructure and as Ann Arbor Spark has, has grown, we've really managed to collaborate so that a lot of their programs dovetail very nicely with ours. So that we're able to focus a lot on the earlier stage. And as our companies become more advanced, we're able to then leverage their great infrastructure that Ann Arbor Spark brings to support these startups. You also have an accelerator as well, correct? Yes, yes, we do. Um, the University of Michigan Venture Accelerator. And um, the the great thing about this, it's about 7,500 um, square feet of world-class laboratory and office space that's available for University of Michigan tech transfer startup companies. And it's located adjacent to our offices. So when we're in the office, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're talking now when, um, you know, all of us are, are certainly um, working differently and, and working as a distributed virtual team. But when we're in the office, you can imagine you've got this, you know, great licensing expertise. We have our mentors and residents and our venture team. And then, you know, we have all of these startup companies located on the same floor. So it just makes for really seamless ongoing support of these companies. And at any given time, we usually have about 20 of our startups that are located there running space. Now, I read you recently had approved something called the Accelerate Blue Fund. Can you tell us about that? It seems to round out everything really nicely, that fund. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to, um, to talk about that. So, you know, when I arrived at U of M, I wanted... You know, I asked the team, what are some of the, the bottlenecks and, and the rate limiting factors here and, and what should we be thinking about to address them? And the reality is we are, you know, with $1.6 billion in research activity, we're one of the largest universities in terms of research volume in the country. Um, but we're in an area of the country that has traditionally been underserved by venture capital. So the Great Lakes region, you know, to give you an example, it tends to take our startup companies in this part of the country about five years on average to raise their first $500,000 in funding. And that compares um, for the startup companies that are located on the coast. It typically, the traditional time is around three years. These are broad averages. We, we get this data from, from Pitchbook. But it sort of paints the picture of the challenge we're facing. And so at the same time, we know that University of Michigan startup companies go on to considerable success. Um, in just the past three years, University of Michigan startup companies have raised 
$1.7 billion in finance, um, Venture and Angel. When we dig into that, um, that money was raised by about 70 companies. Half of them left the state of Michigan, and they accounted for $1.5 billion out of the $1.7. So um, uh, our thesis is that if we can address the early stage funding gap for University of Michigan tech transfer startups, if we can help them de-risk the technology and um, help them achieve some of those critical uh, value inflection points, that we can help position them to be competitive for venture funding from the coast. So that's that's our thesis. We want to address and focus our energies and efforts on this very early stage funding gap so that we can help more University of Michigan startups become successful and hopefully help more of them um, be able to stay in our region. And so that was the idea behind the Accelerate Blue Fund. Our model is that we're raising the fund through philanthropy. And by raising it through philanthropy, it means a, a number of things. One, we don't have limited partners. So we don't have the traditional VC economics where we have to have a seven or even a 10-year horizon. This can really be a patient source of capital for University of Michigan startup companies. The second thing that it means because we're raising it through philanthropy is that it can become an evergreen fund. Because again, we don't have to, um, you know, uh, we don't have to pay limited partners. So every dollar that we see as a return from a startup investment that the fund makes will be recycled back into the Accelerate Blue Fund. The third thing that it means, um, because we're raising it through philanthropy, is that it takes time. <laughs> and so we uh, launched the initiative and announced its creation in October of 2019. We began fundraising conversations in earnest in about January. And it's never easy to raise a first fund. And, you know, certainly raising a, a first fund during um, a year that has um, has come with it, a, a pandemic and social unrest and all sorts of societal challenges that everybody's facing um, has been really unique. But it, it also gives us an opportunity to, to have an opportunity to reconnect with the University of Michigan alumni around the country and around the world and to tell them about what we're trying to do to support research coming out of U of M. And so I'm, I'm pleased to share we're um, uh, over halfway to our first close. So we set our first close goal as being $2 million. Once we hit the $2 million thre um, threshold, we plan to start making investments. We're now at $1.15 million that we've raised to date. And, you know, when people ask me, is, is this still a, a good time for this fund? Um, I'd say there's never been a better time to invest in innovation. I think with everything that we're seeing with, with the pandemic and with people becoming more comfortable working remotely, I think those translate into opportunities for startup companies, whether they're in Ann Arbor or really in any part of the country outside of the Bay Area, New York or Boston. It's going to, in some ways, level the playing field and make it easier for startups um, coming from these other ecosystems to access um, the venture capital on the coast.
Well, congratulations. That's an amazing job given, like you said, a very challenging time to be raising money for a fund. So best of luck with that. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about numbers. Um, the U of M 2020 report recently came out and your numbers in terms of invention disclosures, patents issued, license and option agreements, startups, et cetera, was, was very impressive. Can you share some of that information with us? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So, um, you know, we absolutely track all of the you know traditional audit metrics and for the last two years, we've received over 500 invention disclosures from University of Michigan researchers. This last year was 522. So it's an all-time high. And we really use this as a way to, to understand, you know, are we do we have the, the right number of, of staff and the right resources to manage this volume of innovation? But we also look at it as a, an assessment of the kind of state of health between our operation and our faculty. Um, we, we had um, 450 patent applications filed, um, 163 patents issued, and um, $14.5 million in licensing revenue. We also had a record year um, in terms of startup company formation. So we saw um, 31 startup companies launch in this most recent fiscal year. So we were we were really thrilled with that outcome, and you know really to see the success that our startups are having. Um, so last fiscal year, um, these startups went on to raise 237 million dollars. As of today, we're, we're now just in Q2 of our new fiscal year, and I'm pleased to say our startups are continuing, you know, despite the challenges to gain traction, they're at $110 million raised in, in Venture and Angel. So continuing to see really good things happen in the portfolio. Also in that annual report we released, um, you know, in addition to, to just you know, the numbers, we also like to tell stories. And I'd like to share one that I think captures the the culture of the office and also the, the things that we're trying to do to, to support um, University of Michigan startup companies. So one of the, the, um, the newer things that we've been doing in the office since I arrived is called our startup bell ringings. And, you know, again, I, I like to turn these things into games. So I um, when I came to the office, I said, I want us to do something to recognize and, and celebrate when we launch a startup company. So, you know, what, what should we be doing? And we, we toyed around with ideas like the confetti cannon or <laughs> that we decided that was too messy. So we ended up with a, a NASDAQ style startup bell in our office. Um, we've since moved the ceremony um, onto to Zoom and are now doing it virtually. But the idea is after the startup takes a license to invite the entrepreneur and the founders and the inventors to come to our office and the entire team is invited. So, you know, it'll be the, the whole um, 49 of us, you know, standing, standing in, the, in the room with the, where the bill is. And, you know, we ask the, the licensing professional and the mentoring residents um, that work with the team, you know, tell us how this got started. The inventor tells their story of the technology and their hopes and aspirations for it. 
And, you know, then the company founders talk about their vision for how they're going to take this innovation and move it out into the world. And then they ring the bell. And importantly, they can only ring the bell one time per company. We've had to go over those rules a number of times. But what this really does is it, it helps us show the company that, you know, we're excited, you know, about what they're trying to do. We want to be their partner. We want to provide connections for them for years into the future. Um, but also it helps our entire team hopefully feel connected to that success. In any tech transfer office, you have, um, you know, a lot of work under, um, you know, it's often deadline driven and, um, you know, we have to rush to file before a publication. We have a tremendous amount of patent docketing that has to happen. We have a lot of invoices that need to get processed. It is not all glamorous. But what we're trying to do is to amplify the positive impact of research at University of Michigan. And so any opportunity for us to all, you know, get out of the trenches for a moment and um, remember the bigger picture and, and see the opportunity for impact that we have. I like to seize those moments and, and make sure that we're, you know, taking that opportunity as a team to, re, you know, reflect on the importance of the work and also to celebrate the successes when they come along. I think that's really neat. And we do tend in this area, whether it's in a tech transfer office or as someone who files the applications and manages and licenses sometimes to just keep our nose to the grindstone because we have so much to do. So I think this idea of stepping back and celebrating the big picture and the impact is is really a great one. That's that's really a great story. Hopefully your office uh, will continue to do that going forward. I've never actually heard anything quite like it. We just did our first one through Zoom and it wasn't bad. It, was it wasn't bad? Oh, who's the keeper of the bell right now? The bell is still in the office. So what we've done is um, we've asked the startups to improvise. And um, our, our most recent one was pretty neat. It was a startup company called Blue Conduit. And their vision and, and what they're doing is using AI to help communities assess when they have led in a water lead line. And they, they began this um, by doing work for Flint, Michigan, and helping um, Flint to understand where to target their lead remediation efforts. And they, they since saw it was much bigger than an academic project. They actually needed to build a business around it to make it sustainable and to make it a service they could offer around the country. And, and so we, we helped them with that. And, and so when we celebrated um, their launch, um, they used, um, it was not lead, but they used a water pipe. <laughs> and they, uh, they banged the water pipe as, as their bill. So hopefully this will, this is something we um, absolutely plan to continue um, online. And hopefully it gives the, the companies the opportunity to improvise a bill that's meaningful for them. So just another way to try to inject a, a bit of fun and joy into our work. Absolutely. And continuing on this thread about startups, um, can you tell us about a few more of your startups? I know you have quite a few of them, but maybe there are a couple that you'd like to share with us. That would be great. So um, a couple that come to mind that are uh, really relevant right now, largely because they've pivoted to focus on um, the, the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the challenges, but also some of the opportunities that it presented. 
So one is Refraction AI. So this is actually a robotics startup company out of our um, College of Engineering, founded by two of our outstanding faculty members there. And they have designed and now operate a networked fleet of autonomous robotic delivery vehicles. And um, it's one of the reasons I love living in our Ann Arbor is because you can, you know, be driving down the street and see a robot um, out delivering food, um, which is just really neat. We're such a, a techie town in that way. But also in, um, you know, in the time of COVID-19, when um, people aren't going out to restaurants and are as, as frequently as before and are nervous about that. You know, this has been a tough time for restaurants and um, Refraction AI has really, um, for some of these downtown restaurants, been a lifeline to them by offering um, very cost competitive delivery services. So they're actually charging much less than, you know, the conventional delivery services. And um, it's it's been a real, you know, boon for many of our, our restaurants in downtown and our Another company that, that comes to mind is LinksDX. And so this is a biotech startup company. It um, launched out of our Rogal Cancer Center earlier this year. And when they came in to ring the startup bell, um, they told us the vision for how they were going to bring um, a, a diagnostic test to the market to help um, patients understand their risk for prostate cancer. So, so that was really the, the technology that's the basis for their company, and, and that's what they were going to work to, to bring to the market. Well, then COVID happened, um, and you know they, they realized that it was not going to be an ideal time for that diagnostic to get to market. But at, you know, at their core, they're a, a diagnostic company, and the community had a real need for um, rapid COVID diagnostic testing. And so they began offering um, saliva-based COVID testing to nursing homes and, and other organizations throughout Michigan. And recently, um, they entered into a contract with the University of Michigan to help our campus be able to step up and increase our COVID testing capacity. So it's been you know, a real win-win situation. They've taken what could have been, a, you know, a, a terrible headwind for the company and have used it as an opportunity. Um, they now have, I believe, 30 employees and are offering thousands of tests a week. Um, so it's it's really demonstrated also to me the value to our region and to the university when we launch great startups here. We're also building our, our capacity um, to respond to, you know, these challenging situations. Um, a third company that I'll highlight is called New Bundle. And um, a lot of companies are now offering fertility treatments to their employees as, as an option, as a, a benefit of employment. And New Bundle really um, wants to help optimize that experience. So um, their ambition is to help manage and reduce costs by improving satisfaction, education, and ultimately supporting the success of patients. Um, their value proposition is that, you know, starting a family is hard enough 
and they want to make this easier. Um, their initial focus is on fertility clinics and insurers, um, as well as directly to patients. And overall, um, their hope is that by adding, allowing for more timely and effective management of drug regimes, um, they're going to make it easier for the patients to track, um, achieve adjusted medication, and also ensure their success. Switching gears, can you talk a little bit about corporate partnerships and the role they play in research and technology transfer at U of M? Yeah, Lisa, happy to. So at University of Michigan, we have the Business Engagement Center, um, which is really the university's front door for engaging with companies. And whether they're interested in a tech transfer engagement and sponsoring research um, in strategic philanthropy or even with student recruitment, Business Engagement Center really helps to make those connections across our campus. Um, importantly, the Business Engagement Center is co-located with um, the Office of Technology Transfer. It is a joint initiative between the Office of Research and the University of Michigan's Office of Development. And that really allows them to take this holistic view and to help support both research and corporate philanthropy across our campus. Um, importantly, the Business Engagement Center is co-located with the Office of Technology Transfer. And about a year ago, um, a year and a half ago now, it also became a direct report um, to me. And so we've been spending this, this last year, year and a half, to think about ways that we could really help leverage our strong tech transfer infrastructure and our strong corporate engagement infrastructure to grow research. We have a strong track record in this regard. Um, one example that you know we we like to give is our relationship with Ford Motor Company, and um, you know you can imagine being located in the in the state of Michigan. Um, relationships with um, you know um, group companies like Ford are very important. Um, Ford has been a major sponsor of research at the university over the years. And this has, in fact, led to a number of tech transfer success stories. Every year, we receive a number of invention disclosures from Ford-sponsored projects. It provides a great opportunity for faculty to gain access to, um, you know, to really understand what the problems are that um, their counterparts in industry are facing and to design and engineer solutions to those problems. And they are, um, you know, a major employer of the University of Michigan graduates when they when they leave the university. A great example of a, a technology to come out of the alliance with Ford would be the the Ford um, Trailer Assist backup camera. So this was actually um, the the work of uh, the University of Michigan Dearborn faculty member that they sponsored. And it, it actually led to a really amazing and great product line for Ford. And, and so this is something that we, we absolutely embrace through tech transfer, these types of corporate engagements, whether it's um, on the engineering side with a company like Ford. Recently, we announced an alliance with Deerfield Management Company. Um, as part of that, they have set aside $130 million to support the advancement of University of Michigan Therapeutics through Great Lakes Discovery, LLC. 
Through that alliance, um, we are currently holding a call for proposals across our campus, um, asking University of Michigan faculty members who are interested in advancing a therapeutic project to consider applying for this funding. So we've we've really begun to think about, you know, not just how can we take the technologies that we have and, and you know, connect them with existing companies, but also how can we work more collaboratively with companies to, to build these long-term research engagements. Switching gears again, can you tell us about some of your office's biggest success stories? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So when I when I explain the field of tech transfer, I like to start with a, a couple of you know examples that people um, might have heard about in their everyday lives. So um, one I like to give for University of Michigan is the intralaced laser LASIK procedure. So um, that actually grew out of um, work by from a professor in our College of Engineering, um, Professor Gerard Moreau, who um, won the Nobel Prize in Physics, actually, um, uh, just, I believe that was in 2018 fall, so now, now two years ago. Um, so, so that's a concrete example of something that many people have heard about. It's actually, you know, given the gift of improved vision to millions of people around the world. Another example of the of technology that's out there improving, and in this case, saving lives, would be Serdelga. So Serdelga is actually a therapeutic for a rare lysosomal um, uh, storage um, disease called Goucher's disease. And um, Serdelga was um, identified and um, invented by University of Michigan um, professor Jim Shaman. And, you know, it's, it's a rare disease, so we can't point to millions of lives saved. But for the individuals who are suffering from this and previously had no alternatives, it, it has, you know, really been um, you know, a huge quality of life improvement and um, something that, you know, I'm so proud we've been able to, to bring forth and provide. And, you know, another example I, I like to share, because I think it, it points to the breadth of um, research and scholarly activities across our campus, is the story of Court Innovations. Um, so Court Innovations came out of the um, scholarly work of University of Michigan law professor, J.J. Prescott. Um, what he saw through, um, through his work is that the court system really lacked innovation. Um, and he, he likes to share the story of um, getting a speeding ticket, having to take a day off of work, go in to settle the speeding ticket. But for him, that was no problem. He's a salaried individual, it was an inconvenience, but he wasn't going to risk losing his job to do it. But he knew that that wasn't the case for the majority of citizens that need to access the judicial system. And so he designed and built um, a software platform to help people that are facing warrants, fines, and minor charges to resolve and settle their disputes with the courts online. 
And, um, you know, our office was able to, to help him with that project, to connect him with a fabulous entrepreneur so that he could stay as the amazing law professor that he is. And, um, you know, the entrepreneur could build the business that would allow them to, to scale that technology. And so now it's, it's used in courts around the, the state of Michigan. Um, but it's also used in around in the courts of, I believe now, 30 states around the country. So, you know, he's able to continue um, performing research on the impact of these types of innovations. And the company has provided him the opportunity to offer those services at scale. Well, along with successes come challenges. So what would you say some of your office's biggest challenges are? Yeah, well... You know, I think when you ask this question and, you know, any um, tech transfer office, you're going to hear funding. Um, and, you know, that's that's certainly a, a challenge that's not unique to the University of Michigan. And when I talk to my colleagues around the country, I think, you know, many of us could use with more resources than, than are currently available. So, you know, we also view that as an opportunity to, to think about ways that, you know, we can um, do things like create fellows programs to help support the amazing group of licensing professionals that we have, um, provide, you know, this great training opportunity for the next generation of tech transfer professionals. It's certainly how I got my start in the, in the business, and I'm very grateful to always to stand for, for that opportunity. Um, you know, so... For me, I, you know, I, I, my job is to advocate for resources for the office, and I, I find it to be useful to be able to explain just how much support we provide to the research enterprise. And um, in 2018, um, we did an assessment where we actually looked at all of the um, principal investigators across campus to win a new research award. And we compared that, um, you know, of course, with our, our database and, and looked at the inventors that we're actively supporting. And what we found was shocking. We found that University of Michigan Tech Transfer is actively engaged with 38% of the principal investigators to win a new research award. And what that allowed me to demonstrate to university leadership is this is really a mainstream activity that's important to a broad swath of the faculty that are bringing the research awards to campus. And, you know, it's, it's something that needs to be, you know, no longer considered as um, a niche activity. It's very much mainstream and it's important to a growing number of faculty that we have the resources we need to provide the phenomenal inventor-centric customer service that the team really wants to provide. I'd say the next biggest challenge is, you know, um, for us, retention. I, I mentioned earlier on, I'm so proud of the team that we have and, um, you know, always, you know, so just, there's such a great group of individuals. I, I, could, I could spend an hour like bragging on every person in the office. It's a really amazing team. Um, but, you know, it's a competitive market for talent, even in the time of COVID-19. You know, I, I, I do worry about retention, um, trying to find um, paths for progression within the office. I think this is something that every tech transfer office um, struggles with to, 
to some degree. There's, you know, only so many opportunities to for leadership within the organization. Yet you have, um, you know, a, a number of people with talent capacity in that area. So I, I, you know, try to think about ways to offer leadership opportunities whenever possible to people on the team. I'd like to ask you about women inventors and entrepreneurs as that's a very important topic. Does your office or the university have any programs to help encourage and assist women inventors and entrepreneurs? And if so, could you tell us a little bit about those programs? Yeah, sure, Lisa. Happy to. So, um, you know, this topic is one that's, you know, near and dear to my heart. Um, And it was something I started looking into a number of years ago. So back when I was still at North Carolina State University, I had the opportunity to dig into this issue with an amazing um, woman inventor at NC State. She had a, a fantastic career, was a member of the National Academy of Inventors, National Inventor Hall of Fame, National Academy of Engineers, Frances Leifler. And she, she really inspired me to try to find pathways to help encourage more women inventors to be able to enjoy the kind of success as an inventor that she enjoyed. And so we set about to understand the challenge and to come up with some concrete ways to help address it. One of the issues that we encountered was that women are less likely to automatically see the value in their work and to be willing to promote it. So one of the the concepts um, that sprang from that is to say, we need to be more proactive in outreach and with invitations. And to say, we've seen this opportunity. We think you would be an outstanding candidate for it. And you should absolutely apply. Um, And so we we published a number of these recommendations in um, the Journal of Technology and Innovation. It was called Strategies to Close the Gender Gap in Invention and Technology Commercialization. So we've incorporated a a number of those strategies into our work at University of Michigan. And here as well, we've actually also been taking a broader view of it and thinking beyond just how do we bring more you know, women into the the activity of, you know, technology transfer and patent, but how do we just bring a broader, more inclusive array of inventors into technology transfer? And, and the principles that we outlined to close the gender gap absolutely apply across the board. And the fundamental premise here is we are clearly as a society, facing a lot of challenges. And if we want to have the biggest toolkit available to address those societal challenges, we need to be getting the best ideas from across our research community. And we need to be proactively reaching out to corners of the university that might have never thought about engaging in technology transfer. And and so for us, it comes down to proactive outreach. And we have an amazing um, team that's really passionate about this. They look through, you know, recently funded research awards to scan for potential inventors that haven't worked with us before and to proactively reach out to them. Um, We look for, you know, exciting stories and and the press coming from our researchers that might not be engaged with them. And 
just a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to put together a webinar called Inspiring to Impact. And we didn't bill it as a diversity panel, but it did show and we did invite a diverse array of inventors to participate. Um, And the goal there was to really showcase how innovation is occurring in all corners of our campus, Um, you know, from our uh, College of Engineering, whether you're you're an engineer, whether you're a psychologist, um, or whether you're um, a math graduate student, and this is the, the type of diversity we had on the panel. Everyone has solutions that they can offer to the challenges that we're facing as a society. Our office is really passionate about, you know, helping these inventors be able to take their best ideas, to find the value in them, and to help them move them forward. So, you know, we approach it through proactive outreach, through and and through um, storytelling, and ensuring that when you know we're highlighting inventors that we're trying to draw from a diverse array um, to showcase it. It's not, it's not just um, life sciences. It's not just engineering. Innovation is occurring across our campus and we're here to help you. That's awesome. You've been a leader in Autumn for many years. Can you talk about its evolution and growth over time and what it's meant to you? Yeah, Autumn's meant a tremendous amount to me. Um, you know, it, I think it's it plays a really vital role for really career tech transfer professionals. I mean, I I, I still have my binder from the first autumn conference <laughs> I ever went to, and you know, just you know, learning best practices from the leaders in the field. I you know have such a warm spot in my heart for the the work that Autumn does in terms of educational delivery. Um, you know, and, and, you know, now in, in my current role, it's, it's just a wonderful way for me to connect with, um, you know, my, my counterparts and to, you know, I, you know, now I, I probably prioritize the networking value more than the educational content delivery, but I think both are so important. And depending on the stage of your career, um, you might prioritize one over the other, but, you know, in, in, in good times, Autumn delivers um, extremely well on both. And, you know, and I think they've done a great job through um, the time of the pandemic and continuing to deliver great educational content. And I also applaud them for, you know, having the, I think they're calling them the water cooler conversations to try to connect, um, you know, tech transfer um, directors and, you know, professionals of, of all levels. It's not easy to maintain networks and culture and connectivity through, um, you know, through Zoom, but um, we're all trying and we're all innovating and Autumn's doing a great job with that. What's your view or do you have a view on credentialing, uh, things like registered technology, transfer professional, things like that? Yeah, I think that's um, a wonderful undertaking. I think credentialing can can help the profession, and um, you know, can can be a useful metric for um, you know assessing talent. I personally don't have any credentials, and we don't use it as a as a filtering tool when we're getting applicants. Um, but it's 
you know, I, I think it's an interesting undertaking, and um, I would certainly give someone with those credentials a second look through the interview process. So, Kelly, I generally like to close the podcast by asking if you had three wishes, like a genie in a bottle that you could have granted or a vision for your office, what would that be? Yeah, so I think I'd like to to go with the the vision. And if I if I think about what I'd like to accomplish over my career at, at the University of Michigan, I'd like to have the opportunity to create the ecosystem through our office, across our campus, and within the region, such that for an outstanding faculty member who's passionate about research, innovation, and wants to have, you know, an active startup company portfolio, that there would be no reason for them to choose any university in the country other than the University of Michigan. Well, that's a great vision. Well, Kelly, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Yeah, sure. Um, Feel free to contact me through email. It's kbsexton at umich.edu. Great. Thanks so much again, Kelly. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Lisa. And again, um, thank you for providing us all with this opportunity to, to learn from each other. This is really great. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.